<laughs> I guess not, dude. What does that? My five be somewhere. Somewhere like the Sugar Ray song. Yeah. So this is not a is banger for me either. I don't know. I don't. What it. What is that Sugar Ray song? How does it go? Sing it to me because now I'm laughing because it's, it's not um, somewhere. <laughs> Wait, no. Ah, oh, no. I know how it goes, but I can't sing it. Somewhere. <laughs> I can't even. I don't even know. I don't know. Dude, I, I want you. It's because it's not somewhere, but I want. I will come back to it, I guess, because now. I, no. I, at first, I said somewhere, but. It. The song is not called somewhere. It's called someday. <laughs> it's, it's called someday. It's someday. Yeah. You're right. Okay. Somewhere. <laughs> Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! This is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast where every week we get into a different band, different artists, and we break down one of their records. We dive into the lyrics, the music, everything you can think of. And we talk about it, give our biggest bangers, our stinkers if we have them. Um, while you're listening, go to Apple Podcasts, go to Spotify, especially give us five stars and five stars only. All the social media is at Asinine Radio. We have a Discord server. If you want to join that, let us know. We'll send you the link. And we have a phone number you can call. Uh, leave us a voicemail. Send us a text. The phone number is 503-893-5307. And if you didn't already know, my name is Tyler. And way out there, way out there, hundreds of miles away, is Jeff. Uh, so what what are we doing today? What album, we, what band are we doing today? We are doing, as, as friend of the pod, uh, Skip, has, has accurately um, called, we are doing Soundgarden's Bad Motorfinger.
Soundgarden formed in 1984 in Seattle, Washington by Chris Cornell on drums and vocals, Kim Thale on guitar, and Hiro Yamamoto on bass. They currently have six full, or they, they have six full-length records, seven EPs, two live albums, six compilations, and are one of the most popular bands to come out of the 90s grunge scene. But that one we're doing today is Bad Motorfinger. It's the band's third record, and it was released October 8th in 1991. The album features Chris Cornell on vocals and guitar, Kim Thale on guitar, Ben Shepard on bass, and Matt Cameron on drums. Now, Jeff, what is your, uh, what's your origin story with the Soundgardens? Go. I really have no, no like extensive story on, on the Soundgardens. I, I have more experience with Audio Slave than I ever did with Soundgarden outside of, of a couple hits for sure, Black Hole Sun. But I really mm-hmm. have way more experience with Audio Slave. And it wasn't until like this week that I even ever listened to more than maybe five Soundgarden songs. Really? So yeah. that's it. Why the fuck would I ever get into this? Because I, I, I don't, I, I'm a latecomer to Nirvana and I fucking hate grunge music. Why the fuck would I ever listen to Soundgarden? <laughs> Tell me. Soundgarden, Soundgarden aren't really. Uh, grunge. They're more metal than anything else. Did Did somebody tell me that? Nobody no. told me that. No, you didn't tell me that. I My didn't mom didn't tell me that. that. No. Nobody fucking told me that. My mom didn't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> <laughs> so so okay. So this honestly, this these last two weeks have been your introduction to to Soundgarden properly. It introduced Soundgarden. I have I have damn near. This is I, uh, like this and the Descendants. I've were were two bands that I just I've never I had no idea what to expect. I I thought this was gonna be shit. I thought this was gonna be very Black Hole Sun sounding. I thought this was gonna be very like oh maybe like Glycerin is gonna be like like also like a thing, a common denominator, right? Because Black Hole Sun and Glycerin are kind of in the same realm of of boring ballads that are slower and vocal driven. I thought Soundgarden was going to be like that. Yeah. I get it. I totally get it. That's why I fought. And you were wrong, obviously. And I was wrong. And this is your favorite Soundgarden record. Spoilers. Um, okay, so my introduction to Soundgarden, I remember hearing Black Hole Sun maybe in the late 90s on K-Rock or something like that, and I hated it. I mean, I was I was a full-blown new metal man, punk man, so I, I fucking hated that shit. Um, but I also oh, listen to K Rock a lot. So, uh, um, so yeah, I listen to K Rock a lot. And Audio Slave was honestly the first time I really enjoyed Chris Cornell's vocals. I mean, that I, I specifically remember I bought ticket, or I didn't buy it, my dad bought tickets to Almost Acoustic Christmas, which is like the big K Rock festival every December here in, in Southern California. And, you know, it was Foo Fighters, it was The Used, it was Zwan. So I actually saw, I've actually seen Billy Corkin live, but not with Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, it was a shit ton of bands, and there was a surprise guest. Nobody knew who it was. And then that day, on the radio, on K-Rock, they world premiered the first Audio Slave song, and it was Cochise, and like maybe three or four hours before the concert. And then, they, and then right after they played the song, they said that Audio Slave would be essentially headlining uh, Almost Acoustic Christmas. And I went to that and I saw Audio, Sl- Audio Slave's very first concert along with a bunch of other great, cool bands. And so that, that was my first introduction to Chris Cornell. And then I went back and I listened to, I remember listening to Super Unknown and I fucking hating it. And then maybe a couple years ago, I think it was maybe two or three years ago, 
I was listening to some podcast and they were playing music and they played Jesus Christ pose and I was blown away. That song just fucking blew me away. And I had no idea that Soundgarden sounded like this. So then I went back and listened to Bad Motor Finger and I've I've really liked Bad Motor Finger ever since then, since a couple of years ago. Um and then this last couple of weeks is the first time I've actually listened to anything else from them outside of Super Unknown and then obviously Bad Motor Finger. But so that's my origin story. Very, very new to this band overall. And uh, I like what I hear from several of the albums, but a lot of it is garbage, trash, poop. Whoa, 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 whoa. Soundgarden doesn't have anything that is trash. Okay. They have a lot of boring shit, though. They got a lot of boring shit, but I mean, so does your band. So does your boys in corn. Like they got okay, a lot of boring okay, shit. Here we go. Okay. So does so does AFI. They, this, oh, trash is ten. Trash okay. is is Pearl Jam's ten. No, Crash Love is trash. Trash is like Pearl Jam's ten. I would trash take. Like, okay. I w- you, give me a playlist of all the worst Soundgarden songs, and I will take that over Pearl Jam's ten any other week, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I would too. I would too. After yes, Pearl Jam's ten is is a hot pile of garbage. So I, I don't think Soundgarden has anything that is like absolute trash, but I do think they have stuff that is that is okay at best. Okay, okay, that's fair. That's fair. So, what's your what are your first impressions then on this? Let's jump into that, and then we'll jump into Jesus Christ pose, where that sits on our banger list, and then also if we have any stinkers, do you do you have any stinkers actually? No, I don't have any stinkers. Okay, I don't either. I have six bangers. Wow. Um, That's a a low amount of bangers. uh, That's enough bangers. I have 13 bangers. No, you don't. Don't pull them. There's only 12 12 songs. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. There are only 12. No, I think I have eight eight bangers. That's a lot. That's a lot. All right. So let's jump into into your first impressions. Or do you just want to jump into um, Jesus Christ pose? Yeah, whatever, dude. Jesus Christ pose. I mean, I think we I, we we we've kind of done the first impressions. Well, yeah, I don't I don't have like a both history. Been the last, so yeah, my first it, impressions are literally this week. Yeah, this the last couple of weeks. So, all right, so then let's jump into this song. So this was, um, I believe, the first single from the record, and um, this uh, this song builds quite a bit, or it's like a constant. It's in a constant state of building. The only time you ever get any sort of relief is with the where he's going, where he's screaming, "Come on!" Or I think he's screaming, "Come on!" And then. Kim is playing those those really high notes right there, just kind of squealing and wailing away. But yeah. otherwise, the entire song is a giant buildup. Yeah. So, so I mean, this is my three B. Is a what, is, what B is? Is this the B for you? This is my two B. Two B. Gotcha. Yeah. So this is my three B. First, I, I think it's a sick transition from Slaves and Bulldozers. I think it's fucking fantastic. Completely. There's a lot of songs. noodling. Well, there's a lot of noodling and noise here. And like sequence wise, it's cool to hear this this sound teased during Slaves and Bulldozers. That solo during Slaves and Bulldozers is fucking just eclectic and weird. And Kim, mm. was it? How did you say his last name? Thayil. I, I, I just said Thayil. Thayil. Okay. Well, yeah. That's I could be completely wrong. You you set the precedent, so it's Thayil. Kim Thayil <laughs> had said like that's his favorite solo to play, and it's just fucking bizarre and weird, and just a lot of noise. And so when Jesus Christ pose comes on, there's a lot of noodling, a lot of noise. But we've already heard kind of that noise in the third track from from Kim Thale's solo. And so yeah. it's cool. The sequencing wise, dude, it makes sense there, brother. And this is this is the lead single, man. Like what the fuck? I know. There's so much wanking in music. Court doesn't even come in until like a, after a minute of music. This is know, six minutes of absolute fuck you bullshit. 
Like, yeah, give us a give us a single. Here it is. Here's six minutes of fucking bullshit noise. Make this your radio hit. Like that's fucking nuts. <laughs> that is that's silly boy talk. It is. And and they they've said like, you know, that he kind of went with like that that helicopter sound and it really Love has that. That, that kind of feel to it. Yeah. It I, does. I, I really like that. Yeah. Dude, the bass rips it up on this one. He's just hitting a lot of notes and they're so low. It gives it the super like muddled and like burpy sound. And I just yeah. imagine like this super loose, like low E string just flopping around, right? He's just <laughs> cool smacking style, that yeah. thing and it's just like, bam, bam, bam. It's hitting the body of the bass and it's just making fucking noise. And this just is just rattling. like a, this is almost like a joke of a song because it really is presented like a joke of a song. There's so much noise here that makes no sense. And this I is know. their lead single. It's pretty wild. Pretty fucking wild. And it's long. It's like six and a half minutes long. I mean, it's fucking long. <laughs> the intro, yeah, it's long, but the entire song is fucking long. I think even there, there's a radio edit, and I think they ended up cutting out two minutes of it, I believe. Something like <laughs> it's that. It's still fucking long. <laughs> yeah, it's still really, really long. Um, and So and, much chicka chickas. Oh, God. So many. So many chicka chickas. God, his vocals, man. Chris's vocals on this are. I'm really on this entire record are unreal. This isn't his best vocal performance on the record, but this is up there for sure. Cause he just, he wails, man. He fucking wails on this song. It's unbelievable that I mean, I have, I mean, I've always thought he was a great singer, but never really liked his vocals, but I respected him. But this, after this week and listening to a few of these records, I mean, the guy, the guy is absolutely, he was incredible, like truly an incredible singer. Yeah. I, there's was. no other word to describe him, but yeah, incredible. he was. We're it's not even. Insane. I'm not even like a singer, fucking guy either. Like I don't really care if you're a shit singer or a good singer. But damn, dude, this kid gets fucking sing. Yeah, it's remarkable, truly remarkable. Um, I I, I wanted to t- also touch upon the music video. They clearly filmed this out in Palm Springs. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> 100%. Are you kidding me? I've been to Palm Springs a thousand times. <laughs> it's 100% yeah. Palm Springs, man. Yeah. <laughs> and the video is so... <laughs> I liked it for kind of how choppy and kind of bootleg it was. You know, not only did they film it like in the middle, like right off the freeway, right off the, the 60 freeway in, or the 10 freeway, or it's 10? Yeah, the 10 freeway in Palm Springs, right next to all the, the, the fucking windmills or whatever. And then they were using all the, the, the different effects in the video, the, um, like the color effects and everything to make them look, look like the, the cover of, uh, Siamese dream from, uh, yeah. smashing pumpkins and just like the flashing of all the crosses, the crucifixes and this and that. It's, it's just so such stupid. a nineties video, early nineties. Yeah. There's so much like, uh, I don't know, whatever you call it, like, tortured thing where you just flash a bunch of, like, different images at somebody as they're sitting there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But, yeah, yeah like, the, yeah. The, the the windmills give it away. Like, for sure, Palm Springs. Yep. The Joshua Tree it's... area. Probably closer to Joshua Tree, I would think. Yeah. You get above, you get above there, above Palm Springs. But high, really, like, like in, I'm sure in the 80s, because even now, you can pretty much pull off any any exit in Palm Springs and there's desert and you can film this. But in the 80s, I'm sure there's even more desert than there is yeah. now oh absolutely but i i, but I wanted a, to bring so the, that up but this is a very that's interesting though because i do have a note on the houses of the holy tone the the orange like kind of oh, uh, yeah background mm-hmm. and and i have i have a lot of other notes on this group sounding like zeppelin and sabbath 
but this is the first time I guess I'll bring it up that there's a, a connection to Zeppelin and the Houses of the Holy cover art, that very orangey background sky with the very kind of like grayish ground. That's what the video looks like. Yep, exactly. And that's that's House of the Holy Zeppelin. First time I'll mention Zeppelin, not the last. I wonder if that was intentional because I, there's there is a lot of Zeppelin so on much this Zeppelin. record. Um, I mean, obviously more way more Sabbath than anything else. I mean, clearly Sabbath is their biggest influence, one hundred absolutely. Especially Kim's playing. Um, but uh, go, going back to the song itself, uh, that that guitar riff during the the beginning build up, that just that that i don't it's not even a scale i don't think it's just just what he's playing just is so weird it's it's so choppy and it it shouldn't sound good but in the context of the song and the build-up of that part it sounds fucking awesome it sounds amazing because matt cameron the drummer he's playing like just the toms it's just this kind of like tribal thing just oh dude i love that build-up the down-tuned bass like you were saying where you could just hear the clacking of the the string on the actual on the actual pickup, I love it. <laughs> I fucking love it, man. And also, a lot of things I noticed, I, I realized on this record, Corn took quite a bit from I feel this record in particular for their debut record with the down tuned bass. Um, certain things that Kim does on the guitar reminded me a lot of that first Corn record, a lot of it. And, and I that's, was and that's I pretty was crazy. Because Corn was like pretty, uh, I mean, I don't know what, what before whatever band they had before Corn or if they had one, but like that first Corn record was what, like early nineties. It was ninety four. They had LAPD. That band put out a record, but that was in ninety two, I believe. But that record sounds <sighs> nothing early. like that. That but the LAPD record sounds nothing like that first Corn record because they had a different singer and Head wasn't in the band. It was just Fieldy David and Monkey who was in that band. Just the boring members. <laughs> I wouldn't say the boring numbers. (laughs) (laughs) But but yeah, anyway, Jesus Christ pose. This is a absolute banger of a fucking song, man. Yeah. So what do you have lyrically on this one? Uh, So just, I guess, could we always kind of like talk about overall lyrics here? I I think Cornell writes songs because he has like a thought in his mind and he says, okay, I want this song to be about X topic. But I want it to be loose. I want it to be a little subjective. But I really want just the words to match my vocals and what I am singing, how I am singing, the high notes. I want to use words that that complement my vocal style rather than getting really poetic and really deep. So even though I do think a lot of these a lot of these lyrics are cool, are cool, are deep, are fun, I don't think he puts a lot of effort into the lyrics as he does the way he sings. Agreed. I was um, I was a little disappointed by his lyrics. Actually, I thought yeah, you know because I didn't, I didn't have high hopes. I don't at know. I, I really I don't know why I thought he would have better lyrics, but I he's a, I felt he's like they fucking, were hard to decipher. He's a singer. He's he's a guy that like knows he has a really fantastic, unique voice that can just slay it. And it's like obviously the effort is going to be put into what words can I use to make the high notes sound better. And so instead of using like yeah. gross words on the high notes, instead of using, I don't know, I'm not a singer, but like there are words you can use when you're hitting like higher notes or lower notes. And when you're hitting lower notes, you don't want to use specific words because it doesn't accentuate the lower registers in your voice. I think mm-hmm. he spends more time doing that than he does writing lyrics. Not to say lyrics are bad because I don't think they're bad. I think they're fine. But I think he spends a lot of time working on his, his vocal approach 
which I think is that's that's what you do as a singer. Yeah, I agree. I, I his lyrics are more placeholders than anything else. Right. I don't really this, think there's anything too deep. Th- this song, I th- I think was just like I mean, I, I might have said and, and that makes sense. A criticism on people using the specific Jesus Christ pose for financial or any sort of societal gain. But mm-hmm. I do like the line that he says, it wouldn't pay me more to bury you rich than bury you poor. <laughs> I think that was like the true essence of the song there. Like, I don't give a fuck who you are type of thing. Like, be a good yeah. dude, you're a good dude. He's dude, she's dude, we're all dudes, hey. Like, that's, that's, well, that's what this song is about. I think it's also a criticism of people uh, in the music industry or, or celebrities in general thinking that they're like a godlike figure. And I feel like this is the only song where he talks like a, or where the lyrics are aren't about him personally; they're about something else, about somebody else. Because um, everything else is about, I feel like, his depression and drug use. But this is the only one that kind of stands out from that. I feel, at least. Yeah, so. I agree. All right. So, do we have anything else on Jesus Christ pose? Uh, I do not. Okay. So let's move on. What is your what's your one B? No opening track, dude. Rusty Cage. That's my one B. That's my one B too. That's my one B. What a oh, fucking banger, man. dude! This is this is a truly a banger. This is this, truly um, a banger. this this came after me listening to Pearl Jam's Ten, and I was like, man, this sucks. I I can't imagine what Soundgarden doesn't sound like. Let me listen to this one, and it was like, holy fuck, this is really, really good. And I listened to Soundgarden like weeks and weeks ago at the record store because we got some of the bad Motorfingers in. I was like, yeah, let me put it on in the background. Didn't really pay too much attention to it, but overall, like, it was a good record, mm-hmm. and so that's what like prompted kind of me to dig in further. But when I like really listened to Rusty Cage, like holy shit, man, this was like, this was like some kind of like Queen to the Stone Age kind of like sounding shit. Dude. This was very, very like like ambient, and it drops in, and it's so chuggy, it's so heavy. It was good. Yeah, it was good. I mean, this song, this is one of the songs that reminds me or reminded me of Korn or makes me think that Korn took from this band because, you know, it starts out with that, that, that real loud high guitar, you know, put through the wah pedal. And so you have that, all the guitar or the guitars or the, the E string on the guitars were tuned down to B. So really fucking low. That's some like Korn level shit right there. So it's tuned tuned down super low the bass is also tuned down really low and it brings in that that clacking on the, on the pickups and everything much like fieldy from corn so there's a lot of this this commonality commonality between the, the two record the first corn record and this record and i thought that was so cool i, I it just because corn didn't rip them off you could just tell that they took they were influenced by this record it feels like and i really really like that i thought that was super super rad um and then this song the whole song it's like a rock and roll song and then at like around two minutes and 50 seconds it just completely slows down and turns into this like sludge metal kind of black sabbath thing and it, it just it's fucking bizarre man it's it's such a cool song it's a really really cool song and this is another song that's been that has a radio edit where they cut out that that entire part that kind of which is fucking slows stupid down. yeah i know it's so that fucking good so it, goddamn yes. good I agree, totally agree. Did you did you listen to the to the the demo version of the song? No, I forgot to listen to it. I meant to, but then I forgot. So they 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 mentioned like like that that whole like running it through the the wah pedal to get that specific sound. 
Uh, and and that's why it sounds so different than the demo version. It's like, okay, well, let me see what the demo version sounds like. Dude, demo version's shit. It sounds like shit. It's a dumb song. Does it? It's silly. It's like just it's like a punk song where people just it it's stripped down and it just doesn't have the same effect. Mm-hmm. Still the same tempo, still the same everything. It's just it doesn't have the same kind of like full sound effect. And goddamn, I love that. That intro is just so goddamn good. It's so fucking perfect. It is. Love it. It really is. Also, what I thought was really cool reading about the backstory of the song and about this band really, like you think or at least what I, my, my thoughts were that they were very calculated with what they did and they took a lot of time writing these songs, but then you read more into it and they're writing the structures to the songs are in different time signatures. And they didn't realize that until after the, the songs were written and recorded or until, or at least until after they were written. So like, you know, parts of this song are in three, four, and other parts are in two, four, five four like it's it's this song is all over the place from a time signature standpoint and this isn't the only song there, there's there's a couple other songs too that that also do this and they just thought okay this sounds cool let's do it this way and didn't give a fuck about any sort of you know they just didn't care i loved it i, I love i love that so much yeah it's rad. and that's i mean that's that's got like a very um i don't know a very basic approach to songwriting you just you you, you have a riff in mind how do we get from from the beginning of the riff to the end of the riff to the next part? And you're not thinking about timing or whatever because you're writing it on the guitar or the bass, and you're adding the drums later. And so that's where like time signatures kind of come into play, especially yeah. if you're not used to. Well, that riff doesn't make sense because it's not in four four, but like I don't know the whole like six eight thing that Blink did, and that's not that complicated. It's, <laughs> Yeah, no, I get it. Like, unless you're doing like fucking like thirteen seven, then I'll be impressed. But otherwise, I mean, thirteen I seven, Jesus Christ, major prog shit right there. BT Band been doing some crazy ass stuff in their fucking in their repertoire. True, and and after after I read more about you know this kind of stuff on this record, it made me think of a a, a interview I heard Tom Morello um, on and. He said when they wrote Like a Stone for Audio Slave, that the the bridge where it's just the acoustic guitar, after the guitar solo, it's just the acoustic guitar and, and Cornell singing over that part. He said that Cornell wrote that part and he wrote it like in 3-4. And Morello said that it completely threw him off. Like he could not like wrap his head around it. And Cornell just wrote it because that's just how he writes music, and it made me realize like that's how he was. That's how Cornell was writing music back in during this during this stuff. You know, I mean, he wrote most of this record, so it's like I, they just write the shit not thinking about that, and then you throw it to Tom Morello, who you think is he is an amazing guitar player, but doing something that's not four four for for Tom Morello is so out of his you know style. And I just thought I thought that was a really interesting interview that he was thrown off by Cornell's acoustic guitar part in that song. But I don't know. I, I thought that was a cool little story. It is a good story. That's solid. Yeah. Three, four times so, weird. It's uh, you don't, you don't think it's that weird until you hear like, uh, my name is Jonas by Weezer. That's, yeah, that's three, four, that dun, 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 dun. And it's so simple. It is kind of weird. How do, how do I play that on the drums? I guess coming from somebody who plays, who pretends to play the drums. How do I play that on the drums? I hit two <laughs> bass and then a snare, one bass, leave it open, snare, and then hit immediately back to the bass. It's weird. 
So um, let's play a little bit of Rusty Cage, and then we'll jump into the lyrics. Sound good? Yes, sir. Okay, so here it is, Rusty Cage from The Sound Gardens. Rusty Cage from Soundgarden. Good stuff, man. Great song. Break my it's exactly how he sounds. Uh-huh. Exactly uh-huh. how he sounds. Yeah, that bridge part is fucking is absolutely insane. It's so crunchy. It's so metal sounding. And the little uh-huh. like the little breakdown after the bridge, you can hear the little nuance, right? There's quiet moments. And you can still hear him like fucking with their fingers on the strings and shit. Like not being <laughs> completely quiet. Love yeah. that. I, I I do too. It's <laughs> fantastic. Like they know God, they're supposed to be quiet, but they just can't can't quite do it. Can't quite <laughs> listen. Kim Thale, he's um, I don't even I don't know. Never mind. I don't know what I was gonna say. I don't I don't I I, I will say I don't think any of these guys are are like historic, historically great at what they do. I I think this is specific time, place, and sound, and I I think, I think besides Nirvana, these guys did it the best. There's, there's just, yeah. this is the sound. This is the, this is the sound. This is the, the grunge sound, this album. The Seattle grunge sound. Like beautiful singing over a lot of just really sloppy playing, but purposely sloppy. Like Nirvana was kind of like sloppy singing, mm-hmm. but also just endearing in that. And yeah, like but- Smashing Pumpkins, I think very, very psychedelic based. But this is just, I don't know, this is something different. This is weird. Well, also, Nirvana was different because Kurt obviously wrote all the songs, but he was also the guitarist. He was he was the guitarist, the singer. With Soundgarden, you know, it's it's more of a I don't want to say more of a band, but you know, Cornell just really sings. He doesn't play lead guitar. He, he plays some rhythm, like in this song, in the music video, he, he plays guitar, 
and then in in Smashing Pumpkins, Billy Corgan. I mean, those first three records, Smashing Pumpkins records, are so fussed over. I mean, Billy Corgan is such a perfectionist that there's no sloppy playing. There's nothing. Everything has to be perfect for him. So it's like it's such a di- all three bands are such a different. I guess style viewpoint and how they write and record music, which is just so, I, I don't know. I think it's super rad, but also Soundgarden is way more metal than those three bands, you know? Yeah. They're yeah, the heaviest they're, by far. That's what I never, I never realized, dude, like, like this was so aggressive and heavy and, and dumb. Like there's parts <laughs> of this are dumb. Like that's dumb, dude. Just let's tune everything <laughs> down because it sounds kind of cool. Like that's high school metalcore shit from 2004 like that's that's dumb that's what i was gonna say about kim like i feel like he's just very carefree like he just doesn't he doesn't give a fuck he's (laughs) like oh that sounds really cool let's fucking do that let's um he did something oh oh i guess that's a banger of mine but i'll bring it up later about the tuning of the guitar where he thought oh he just brought it up as an idea and then cornell's like let's try it and it fucking made a great song um but we'll talk about that later but yeah, no, Kim Dales just seems like a just like a really cool dude to just make music and he just doesn't give a fuck. But then also Cornell wrote most of these songs off this record. And I but, mean for whatever that means, but there's a lot of different things online that say that Cornell wrote a lot of the music, but then he didn't have the melody quite worked out in his mind and the band would get together and, and really flesh out the songs based off of Cornell's one little riff that he had. And so I don't, I mean, who fucking knows at this point? Because like now things are so divided perfectly that you wrote this, therefore you get paid X amount of dollars or X percentage of, of the profits or whatever it is. But this is like the fucking early 90s, dude. There's, there's no man's land. And really nobody was making money at this time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Except for the labels. Nobody was making money. For Artists sure. Artists were making shit. Um, all right. So should, do we have, an, oh, what do we have lyrically on Rusty Cage? Uh, Rusty Cage. I mean, I think the title says it. it's about feeling trapped, and I, I, I like the idea of of the Rusty Cage, which like the rust will come into play later on in the album too, which I think is kind of cool. Like, mm-hmm. like, like if it's rusty, it probably can't be opened by like a traditional key, right? You can't yeah. just put a key into a Rusty Cage and open it because it's fucking rusted shut. It's done. You're in there for good, bro. But like when things rust, metal rusts, it becomes weaker, so you can break it open with enough strength. I think that's cool. It is. That's a good, that's a good, like, kind of a, maybe not a double entendre, but kind of a double entendre. I don't know. Kind of, kind of. I, I like, I like where you're going with that. I, on this song, I feel like it's, it's him in a bad relationship, whether it's a romantic thing or a friendship or whatever. Um, so he's stuck in this and he's finally escaping it. So like the rust represents just his mental state, just being completely broken down, destroyed, kind of rotted away. So it's been rusted. And then, like you said, he has to have that, that final push of strength to actually break open the ca- the rusty cage. And that's how he gets out. And then the song you're referring to later, I feel like that is from the standpoint of him being rusty physically from the drugs that he's been taking from him being a drug addict, really, like hard, a hard drug addict and his body breaking down. So I feel like this is the mental portion of it, and then the other, the end of the record is the the physical rust, his body deteriorating, very more quickly than normal because of outside influences, that being the drugs. I like that. I like that. I mean, the one we're talking about is not a banger for me. Holy water, right? 
Holy Water is wait, that's the last. No, it's not the last that's song. Second to last song. The second that's to last not song. A yeah, it's it's not a banger for me either. So I guess we could yeah we could touch upon that. But yeah, that's what I got lyrically on that one. The drug use is slowly killing them, and that's the rust. Right, and that's that's cool. Like like rust and rust itself, right? It slowly develops over time. So mm-hmm. conceptually, for digging deeper than we should into this album, here we are, <laughs> like like saying that rust is developing slowly over time from the first track to the second to last track. That's kind of cool. That's what I got on that. So we know everything. We too, we're the fucking best. So let's move on from Rusty Cage. Um, B. That was our. That was a, both of our one Bs. What is your? Uh, so are we doing two Bs? What do you want to do? Yeah. What, what is? What's your two B off this? Record? My two B is the next one. Outshined. Really? This is not a yes, B for sir. me. That's what, because so, you're fucking insane. <laughs> maybe maybe a little bit. But that's okay. That's okay. It really doesn't make any sense. It's not a B for you. This one starts off instantaneously heavy, metally. Cornell has solid rasps in his voice. Got solid rasps. Mm-hmm. And and these verses are definitely just build up to the pre-chorus in the chorus, right? The verses, I get it. Okay, maybe not great. Maybe not fantastic. But dude, like the pre-chorus is so opposite of the verse. It's weird, right? Because you get the it verse is. that's that's kind of like, eh, whatever, whatever. And then you get this really solid like... I don't know, angelic, like it's so very melodic. Know, so now you know, now you know, like that's very weird. Like, wow, where did that come from? Why are you doing that? And then the chorus set to straight by adding more melody of the, to the tone of the verses, and then brings it back to the chorus, and then they're note matching with everyone, and that's fucking boss. So the song is like structurally weird, and it's 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 almost like this song was built like piece by piece rather than beginning to end it was like how can we i like this verse that we have but i also like cornell what you did with that chorus i like that too how can we like add all of these things together in one thing yeah it is a very kind of frankenstein monster song it really is fucking cool i love this song it's so good (laughs) it is cool god dude kim's guitar tone on this one is fucking um, it's fantastic it it, (laughs) plays into that heavy sludgy sound so goddamn well and the riff itself is pretty cool it's it's kind of a non-conventional thing that he does it it's not just typical chugging or anything like that or i don't know man he he has he's i don't even i don't even know who to compare him to i he's not like an amazing guitar player but he's a unique guitar player and i really like that he's it's it's a it's a weird thing to even try to you know explain but I I have I have I mean I don't I don't like the Deftones like just at all I fucking I just don't you, like them at all I really don't but what the Deftones do that I kind of do like is they can make a riff out of just you know like dun 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 like a Jaws thing right yeah they can yeah, make yeah. like a whole fucking song out of just like those two notes I think that's kind of cool I dig that but I think like like this guy Kim can also do the same thing he can just take like kind of two notes make a riff out of it and the rhythm section comes in and now they got a song and then he can noodle over that riff and he's not even great at noodling. He's no fucking Ted Nugent over here (laughs) laying down leads that is fucking fantastic. But you can tell he's having a lot of fun doing it. He's like, Oh, I like this. And that's why he says like some of these songs, like, Oh, this is my favorite soul that I've ever done. It's like, dude, you're just fucking around. (laughs) I know. Like that's not even a good solo, but I get it. I get it. Cause when I jam at the neighbor's house, like some of the best times that we have is just when we're fucking around. Like things just sound cool because you're in the moment. Who cares? Yeah. I dig that. 
they're like what is it slaves and bulldozers in that song yeah he says he taught he loves that guitar solo and you listen to you're like what like this is like, not what solo he's just making noise <laughs> dude noise. Like, what yeah which we'll get into because it is that is a banger for me but um but no outshine man this is uh this is a cool song also real quick the, i hear a lot of uh gene bullets from bullets and octane Ooh, because i hear with, i i hear vocals. a lot of somebody in chris cornell's vocals over this entire record it's and that's david lee roth really you hear I don't david, david lee, lee roth. roth especially in the o's the, the way cornell says oh like yeah, wow but, but cornell, david lee fucking roth but cornell is more like soulful david lee roth is just wild like pure wild cornell can be wild though we know cornell can be wild but he's but he his vocals are more like I don't want to say pretentious but they're more serious. Like David Lee David Lee Roth, the greatest frontman of all time, he um he's just he's just pure insanity, pure energy. Cornell takes himself a little too seriously. You know, and and it comes across in his vocals. Roth just just doesn't give a fuck. I I I, I don't know. I I don't I don't hear the David Lee Roth personally, but if 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 and when I know it's when more than if, but when you listen to this again, and you're editing this, really really put in your mind David Lee Roth, and Cornell's okay. delivery, especially in the high parts when Cornell just goes wow, and I can't hit those high <laughs> notes the way they can, but when they do that, like David Lee Roth, dude, hit those high notes in a way that's so, that's so. Uh, what, what do you what's that what's that word like 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 chauvinistic? Show is that the I right guess word? Chauvinistic could work. Yeah. Right, you're so fucking conceited. You're full. You're so full of yourself, but you still just having a good time. <laughs> yeah, that's David Lee Roth. Yeah, like you're really not being is. a dick about it. You know, like you, like I, I can hit these high notes. Check it out. I'm a fucking tool, but I'm also really fun to drink with. But like, I hear, I hear a lot of that with Cornell's high notes. I really like how we both picked up on those things, but we have completely different singers in mind. Yeah, one before, one after. I, I think that's really interesting. Um, also real quick, you know, a little thing on, on the music part of this rec of this song. So they, they played this song and dropped detuning. So that's why it has that big kind of heavier tone sound to it. The riff sounds really crunchy and cool sludgy. Uh, but this is also another song where they played it in a seven, four time signature. It's just, and they just didn't really know until after they, the song was written. And then they were kind of, it's kind of seems like they wrote it and then they were told by somebody else, Oh, this is not four four. This is something else. Like they just like, what's four four, dude? I love it. I fucking love that so much. <laughs> just the the carelessness of it all. It's fucking great. That's a good word, carelessness. I like that. Uh, but that's what this record is. That's what it is. The first, is. really, the first three Soundgarden records are just pure fun and carelessness, especially the first record. But after this one, once you get into Super Unknown. Then they had already gotten some kind of success. They were making some money. And then you get the shit that is Black Hole Sun and all the boring ballads that you get on Super Unknown. All and the then movies? the albums after. Boring ballads? Beyond boring bangers? Boring ballads. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you want to play a little bit of Outshine? Get into the Nah, we should be playing bangers that we both agree are bangers. Okay. All right. Oh, so what do you have lyrically on Outshined? Oh, homie. But th- I, I alluded to this earlier when I said he was looking California but feeling Minnesota. Yeah. Right. Remember that when I said yeah. that earlier at some point. I don't remember when I did that. Why I did that? But why I I hate that? that I like that lyric. 
He's looking California, but feeling Minnesota. It's so stupid. Dude. It That's is, but so I really like it too. Dumb. It's really so like dumb, it. though. You recognize how stupid it is, right? I do, but then it. But it, you love it. it. I love it because it makes so much sense, you know. It the, does, and it pisses uh, me off, dude. It fucking irritates me so much. It's a much. great line. It's a great fucking line. God, it's so cheesy. It is like the ultimate cheese. It is. It is. Feeling but California, but looking no, Minis- looking California, but feeling Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah, you instantly know what he means, and it bothers me that I like <laughs> that so much. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the song's about depression. And how he puts on a mask to hide his feelings. That's what I got lyrically on this one. But he does have like he, he does have like good good wordplay, right? I got yeah. up feeling so down. Like that's just really cool wordplay. It is. That is really good. So he is a good songwriter, not a great songwriter, but he's a good songwriter. He knows how to get his point across, and again, he knows how to write lyrics that 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 boost his his bravado as far as singing. Mm-hmm. He knows how to do that. So he he's a good songwriter, not a great songwriter. But he's a fucking phenomenal singer. Oh, fucking, he's incredible. Really incredible. I, I I don't throw that word around a lot. Like I really don't. But he's fucking incredible. Especially when it comes to singers. Like who we we do not yeah. give a shit about fucking singers. But I know. I was so blown away by his vocals. I, me same here. I was I I loved I love the way he sings. I do. Yeah. But I also hate it at the same time. <laughs> I know. You know, Their like on some songs like, that I just oh fucking God. can't. Stand. Dan, what are you but doing, I, dude? I respect the shit out of him for his for his ability. So that what? So your that was your two B. Outshine was your two B. My two B was Jesus Christ pose. What was so, your? Oh, Rusty Cage. Rusty Cage was our number Rusty one. Cage. So what do you got for so your three B? Around three Bs. What is my my three B is a little bit later on in the record. Oh, well, oh, well, hold on there, dude. Hold on there, dude. Well, you don't know because you don't like this album. So you don't know your number three right away. Oh, Jesus Christ Superstar was my 3B. That's a soundtrack we should do, actually. Oh, God. I don't know, man. I don't know. One day. <laughs> All right, my number three is Face Pollution. This is a good one. Fucking this is not a banger for you? Is, dude. dude, this is like... Uh, what? Uh, so Face Pollution, and then what's the other one later on? I think it's Mind Right or something. Yeah, no. I think, yeah. The like a fast uh, song, one of the other or, one of the other fast ones. There's nothing wrong with this. This is a more traditional, faster punk song, and it's nice coming off like Jesus Christ pose. Like, oh, thank God, I get to kind of just turn my brain off for a minute and just enjoy this. It's two and a half minutes, but like, come on, dude, come on, dude. Like, really, this what? is your fucking three B? Yes. Like, you're okay. this basic. You're this fucking superficial basic. That How is this like basic? any because Why? any fucking punk song that they throw on here, that's I... it. That's it. The only reason, the only reason mm-hmm. why this is my 8B. <laughs> oh, it's a B for you still? What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> oh, you're the worst. The only reason why this is even a B, because I almost put it as a not B, because I was like, oh, guys, come on. Ugh, I get it. The only reason is this bridge part, dude. The bridge part's so fucking proggy. There's really, yeah. really tight noodles. Unreal stuffs. So, Okay. This is a pretty unconventional song. You start with that that kind of the high pitched guitar. Chris comes in wooing, which is just sounds funny, um, and then it drops right into this fast rock and roll song. They fucking do rock and roll songs so goddamn well. It, it's remarkable. Uh, there's some, everybody some, does what 
Everybody can do a fucking fast rock and roll song, but they though, do it dude. so well. I don't know. There's something about Kim's playing with Chris's vocals that make the rock and roll sound just, just on another level. And the way that Kim plays guitar or the riffs that he plays, he doesn't bend. He doesn't bend the power chords. What am I trying? He's, he does something. I know what he's doing, but I can't explain what he's doing. You know what I mean? It's like the. It's very kind of like Noodles from Offspring that kind of style but it's more metal based and and slower obviously the, the song is it's really all over the place and then you throw in the trumpets toward the end i think they're trumpets there might be something else but there might be a trumpet. Some horn section yeah it's something from the horn section but that completely throws me off like what the fuck is this like <laughs> this is a band that you would never expect to use any sort of horns in their songs unless it's like some huge ballad i could see that but in a song like this to throw that in there it's it's really off-putting, but really fucking rad at the same time. This is a killer song, man. I don't know it's why just, you hate it's it. Because I don't it's so really basic. It. It's so basic. But you need that basic. You need something to balance Ugh. this record out. You have something as crazy and wild as Jesus Christ pose with that buildup. You need to you need to bring it down a little bit, man. Just bring it down. You can have a basic song, but you can church it up a little bit. This is no, not you, churched up. This is just a they, basic run-of-the-mill this is almost fucking filler, dude. This is just like really, really good no, filler. But but with that, this band never churches up anything. Like like you said earlier, the band none nobody is like really great outside of Cornell. Nobody is. So how could True. they church it up? You want Cornell to get flashier? No, you don't want that. Nobody no, wants I do that. not want that. Nobody sure. wants Audio Slave had that. I do not want that. Exactly. Nobody wants that shit. So this is this is a great this is a great song place on the record you know coming i, after I Jesus knew i fucking knew this would be a top three song of your i knew it <laughs> i fucking knew it it's a good song you, you were just trying so hard to be like you know so it's cool like and like song. adult you're trying so hard to be an adult thing. you're trying yeah. too hard to be an adult and oh, it's it man. doesn't it doesn't look right. good on you i i grew up in it, it, it it's it's showing you're right you're right <laughs> <laughs> all right i mean we don't have to play this one it's so it's not even a banger it's barely even a banger for you it's barely a banger for me so, um, I don't know, lyrically on this one, I think it's just another song about depression. That, that's really it. I, I don't think there's anything too deep on this song. I don't you think it was. I, I don't, yeah, I mean, I just, I had like the whole, I took the face pollution like literally, like the concept of society putting on different faces for different people or, or events or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, like you act different around different people. Yeah. Like that's, that's just face pollution. Everyone's adding to, to the fakeness of society. Okay, I, th- I like that. I the concept of face pollution. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. God, too much face pollution. I like that. <laughs> I I'm gonna start using that. I'm gonna bring it back. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm not gonna, gonna bring, bring it back. back face pollution. But I think people are acting fake. I'm gonna do too much. I'm gonna hold my hand up and like shoo them off and say too much face pollution. God, it's so disrespectful. So disrespectful. <laughs> and then you go, what do you mean? You put you're putting on an act. Too much face pollution, and still <laughs> put my hand at him like that. <laughs> oh, that's so dumb. So dumb. I probably will, I probably will never do that in real life. But yeah, because it's fucking rude as hell. It is so rude. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you get really drunk with friends, I don't think you'd ever do that. <sighs> okay, so what is your uh, what's your four B? Uh, searching with my good eye closed. Hmm. I don't like that title, but um, yeah, that song's fine. I I so I am I'm like the opposite. I I think titles alone 
Searching with My Good Eye Closed and Room a Thousand Years Wide are my favorite titles. I like that room, one. I, I like Room a Thousand Years Wide. I like that's that. That's my title. favorite title. But Searching with My Good Eye Closed, it does have kind of like this 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 U2 kind of vibe to it for some reason. Oh, I don't know yeah. why. Do you get like a YouTube vibe I, from that? Now that I, yeah, now that you say that, I can. Totally I don't know why. I don't know yeah. why, but I do. But I still like the title to this intro. Like when you hear something like this, like the rest of the song better match this kind of build up, right? That like this is so dumb. It's so goofy. Like where are you going with this? And yeah. it doesn't quite. It doesn't quite match up with that. The drum fill into the song that was rad. But then the song drops in a little weaker than I would have hoped. Some intro like this usually calls for a faster song like Face Pollution or some type of like super, super heavy song. But as the song progresses, though, dude, Whoa. as the song progresses, though, Whoa. it does turn into this really cool like stoner rock song. Very Queens of the Stone Age sounding. Yeah, Bring it yeah. back. With with the, the, like the riffing back, riffing in the background, all like the noodling, that stuff is really, really solid. And it really does bleed out and explore the vibage very well. Yeah. So much ambient tones, a lot of feedback noises, a lot of blown out distorted chords that you lose the notes in because they're so aggressive. Like this song goes from like, like, yeah. like, like this song sets itself up to be on such a high pedestal and then it like drops down like, wow, this song kind of sucks. And then it builds it back up past to where the pedestal would have dropped you to begin with. And that's what I love about this song. The bass line, I feel like the rhythm section was the best part of this song. The bass line's really rad. The drum fills throughout the song are, are solid, solid stuff. Um, but now, now that you brought it more like the uh, the blown out tone, guitar tone and everything, like I get it. I, I, I appreciate that, but it still doesn't... It still doesn't do much for me. The kind of the noodling and waking at the end is pretty cool. Otherwise, I think it's kind of like a it's a, not a boring song because the song is good, but just in the context of the record, it's a, it's just kind of a mid-tempo average song. And then that intro is fucking weird, man. That kind of spoken word intro. Yeah, the cow goes moo. <laughs> yeah. Pig it's goes oink. Bizarre, like, but after that type of intro, because we're so conditioned to to like metalcore of, of our era, right? Where like there was a yeah. firefight and then Bleeding Through drops in with that fucking song. Oh, so like that's, good though. That's nasty stuff. Like that is nasty stuff. So we're used to <laughs> intros that have like a spoken word thing dropping into something really, really good. Or this is the act of mating, right? And then it drops into something really good. Yeah. It doesn't do that here, but I think it's purposeful. I think it does that because it doesn't want us to just get that easy, easy relief. It wants to to build us up, break us down, and then slowly build us back up again. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Dude, they, all the while, like, like Cornell's just fucking screaming and wailing and just being, just doing Cornell stuffs. Doing Cornell stuffs. Dude, I, just doing Cornell stuffs. What I, so this record, Bad Motor Finger, is where they, this is the true transition of the band. I mean, this is the last of the, the craziness of the band. And this is the beginning of the melodic sound you hear after this. And I really like that. I like, this is a good, this is a great combination of, this is the best of both worlds, really. For sure. For best sure. Best of both worlds. Because the first two records are just on another playing field. They're just completely different. But this one this just is, is like it's so unique. This is like this is like Turnstile's glow on record yeah. compared oh, to yeah. their first two. Right? Yeah, totally. 
Like, like you still hear snippets of the first two here. This is this is not any worse than the first two. This is not any better than the first two. It's just so fucking different. These guys did not lose any of their edge from the first two, but they yep. put out a third record that's like, hey, let's just let's try writing. I don't know a different type of song, and did it, and it's so good. All right, Do, uh, so this isn't a banger, so we don't want to play this, right? Nah, it's fine. Okay, so what do you have lyrically on it? Oh, we don't have to talk about it either. Okay, we, well, okay, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Um, so that is your 4B, right? Yeah. All right, my 4B is Drawing Flies. Drawing the Flies. End of the <laughs> I think it's track 10. Um, dude, this it is... It is again, dude. Fuck, another one. What? Just, what? Let's, just choose out, let's just choose all the punk kind of sounding songs or all the, the rock and roll sounding songs, the shortest <laughs> songs on the album, and that's okay. fine. Whatever. Well, okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Here we go. So, no, I, I don't really hear the punk thing on here. Yeah, it's a shorter song. But what I really love about this song is, or a few things I really love really love about this song is that just how swingy and Sabbath sounding this is. The riff, the pacing, the drums, everything is just so like, like um, Master of Reality, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath era. Because that's when they really brought in the swing into their playing. They had it somewhat in the first two records, but it wasn't until those two, the third and fourth record, and volume four as well. So I guess the third, fourth, and fifth record, where you really hear that that Sabbath swing. And that's what I get in this song. Also, the trombone? What the fuck is this? Who the fuck throws a trombone into a metal song? It makes no fucking sense, but I fucking love it. Love it. It's so subtle. It's kind of buried in the mix, and that's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Cornell yeah. has some really solid, quick screams in this, too, because the, the guy can fucking scream. He can do everything. The guy's a fucking incredible. Incredible, yeah. incredible, incredible. That's, that's the word of the pod today, is incredible, because he's incredible. Incredible. Oh, shit. Yeah, Drawing Flies, man. This song, this is even a B for you? This is not a B for me, but oh, you're, I, this you're is still really good, because... This is this is a great example of just really good filler. Just really, really good filler. Give me a good fucking filler song. Give me an album that has just one or two bangers, but chock full of really good fillers, and I'll be happy. This is really, really good filler. This is like one of and the I most agree. sounding songs on the whole record. That's that's well, that's not true, dude. It is though. This is a Outside traditional setup Christ song post? because of the words, uh, like how it flows. This is like the most traditional song they do on the record. No, it man. does. It does have a cool swing to it, and that's literally in my notes. It has a cool swing to it. But yeah, this is Thank this is a traditional that. song. Well, because I don't know if you believe me or not. <laughs> uh, although I just me reading it just wouldn't like make you believe me anymore. But. Uh. Um, I don't know. I, I thought that the best part of this song was the fact that Cornell talks a lot. He just like fucking yeah. talks. Yeah. Like he doesn't sing. He kind of like sing talks, but because he's so good at singing, he can just talk and just like raise or lower his, his the inflection in his voice. He's like, oh, he's singing. It's like, yeah, he's kind of just talking. <laughs> <laughs> like that kind of irritates me because- because like other people try really, really hard to sing, and this guy just kind of talks, and it sounds better <laughs> than everybody else. Like it's fucking nothing to him. Just absolutely nothing. God, but dude, the last, yeah. the last baseline part where it's just like the isolated bass part before everybody comes in too, that's so boss. That is so yeah. boss. Otherwise, yeah, this is this is really, really good filler. Good filler. <sighs> this is like I a love playlistable good song. This is a playlistable song too. 
Okay. It's that well, good. It's that good, man. Anyway, I I mean, I think this song is just about being strung out on drugs. Lyrically, real quick, that's what I have on it. Yeah. Um, agree. So let's uh let's move on then. What's your what's your five B? I don't think any of our Bs are gonna match up from here on out. <laughs> I guess not, dude. What's that? My five B somewhere. Somewhere like the Sugar A song. Yeah. Well, cover that song. Yeah. Yeah. So this is not a is banger from the other. I don't know. I don't. What it. What is that Sugar Ray song? How does it go? Sing it to me because now I'm laughing because it's, it's not um, somewhere. <laughs> Wait, no. Ah, oh, no. I know how it goes, but I can't sing it. Somewhere. <laughs> I can't even. I don't even know. I don't know. Dude, I, I want you. It's because it's not somewhere, <laughs> but I want. I, I will come back to it, I guess, because now. No. I, I, at first, I said somewhere, but. It. The song is not called somewhere. It's called someday. <laughs> It's called Someday. It's Come Someday, on. yeah. You're right. Okay. Somewhere. Because I, <laughs> I thought it was also I, called Somewhere, it. too. After you said it, I was like, oh, then I sang it in my mind where I, was, where I sing stuff. I was like, wait a second. It's not Somewhere. It's Someday, was, yeah. yeah. That was good. Yeah. Somewhere. <laughs> I will forever sing it Somewhere now. It's like it's like Ryan's um, Fan of Planet. Instead of singing California, sing Orange County. Oh, yeah. Orange County. Oh, my God, dude. It, <laughs> I, I will always sing that Orange County, too. Yeah, somewhere, dude. It's my five B. The beginning, the beginning vocal part of this was the first time in the album that reminded me this is a grunge band. This was very even flow sounding, mm-hmm. but better. It was short lived, but it was better, mm-hmm. right? And like, like, that's why I don't like the grunge sound, is because of essentially Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam. Eddie Vedder is the reason why I don't. I thought that I hated grunge in its entirety. Yeah, and yeah. and so, track six somewhere. This is the first time someday. that Cornell really, like, someday, like, really threw it out there and was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. This is a supposed grunge band. I get it. But there's no, <laughs> there's not, like, a, a super strong melody overall here. I get it. But the no, instrumentals no. are the better part of this song. Bass has really cool parts, some really cool hammers that add a lot of depth to the playing. And then mm-hmm. leading into the outro, Cornell has one of his best screams on the album. The best screams. Yeah, he does have some Great. pretty amazing screams on here. I will say the verses I, I I don't like in this song. They're just that the average grunge ballad thing. The choruses are are I like because they're they're a little quirky. They're kind of off the wall. Um, the, what, what with what Kim is doing and just kind of the whole rhythm section in general. It's 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 weird. It's really really weird. But overall, I mean, this is a mid tempo ballad song where Cornell is using his his. Balladman voice, his modern, his modern voice. Let's just say that. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't understand why you like these more ballad type songs. It makes no sense to me. Because they build, they build someplace. <sighs> I like a little bit more complexity in my songs. Don't just give me a fucking bullshit punk song, uh, right? Yeah, like yeah. your your fucking face pollution. No, just give me a punk song. I'll be happy. Yeah, it has Who some cares? fucking energy. It's not. Who just... cares, dude? I like the build on this. And then don't forget the last part, dude. The last part. This last part fades out. It fades out early to give the illusion of completion, right? But really we're just entering a different phase of the song because mm-hmm. the last part fades out. We are now getting a high guitar part. That's not winky. That's not noodly, but Kim's doing this just kind of like ding, ding, like, like niddle shins, ding, 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 <laughs> like how we used to do yeah. as kids. He's just doing this really, really basic guitar part. And so the song like fades away and you think it's done, 
But then, like, all of a sudden, now King Kim is higher in the mix, but he's not higher in the mix. Everything else is lower in the mix. And mm-hmm. so everybody else swells back in. And then it's just, like, constant harmonics over this heavy riff. And, like, that ending is just fucking dope. But everything leads up to that. The ending doesn't just exist on its own. If you took the beginning of the part of the song out, the ending would be, it would make no sense. But, but see, everything it, it, leads up to that. The song but, builds to that. But it does, but then it abruptly stops. Because once you hit that bridge, all the music stops except for Ben's bass playing. Then it's just that bass line, and then the song starts to build itself again, and then it fades out, and then, like you said, it, it comes back in. That whole that whole second part, once that, that stop happens, is kind of unnecessary. Oh, Oh, maybe not unnecessary, oh, but on there, it just dude. it doesn't make hold sense in there, the context dude. of the whole song when you have this big ballad kind of a song, and then I you think, drop into that that bridge. I think one of the coolest, like like just off off the cuff here, one of the coolest like builds, where like the beginning of the song doesn't really make sense to the later part of the song, but if you took either part of the song out, the song would be fucking exponentially worse. Is the chain by Fleetwood Mac? Like that is mm-hmm. such a fucking amazing build song. Right, that that starts yeah. off with that, and then eventually yeah. these are do 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 do. Like that is all amazing. That way, Fleetwood Mac is so fucking good. But that yeah, is a build. Good. That is a build that if you took either part of that out, it would lessen the other part. And I think somewhere okay. is also that. Somewhere is also that. I see what you're saying with the Fleetwood song, but. I don't really, I don't, I don't, I don't see it with this, this somewhere, this someday song. Someday. Yeah. Someday, somewhere, uh, you'll see it. Someday, somewhere, I'll see it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is not a banger, so we're not going to play it. Uh, lyrically, though, what do you have on it real quick? Real quick, I, I, I think this is nonsensical. I think this is one of those songs that he just wanted to sound good to match his singing. I, I could go into what I thought it was, but... Now that I'm reading my notes, I don't fucking care. I think he just wrote these lyrics to make his singing sound better. I agree. I I, I feel they're nonsensical. Maybe about like a, a love interest of his, and that's all he dreams about is her. But even then, that just seems very elementary and yeah. Silly. It's always a good a, a good fallback, right? To go on that. Yeah. Eh. So that was your five B, right? Yeah. Jesus, Jesus Christ! All right, my five banger is Slaves and Bulldozers. Wow. Where it, yeah, where does this one sit for you? This is the third that, track. That one that one was on the edge, but it lost out to not being a B. Oh my god. This it makes did. no sense. It would have been my nine what B, but it, it did fuck? lose out to not being a B. Why though? I'm I'm I, I don't I don't get it. Oh man. I've and honestly, like I have so many positive notes about this one. <laughs> so like first of all, this is the last song. Right, Soundgarden played before Cornell died. Mm-hmm. That's that's crazy. I don't right? know. That's it, it, that, there's there's nothing like meaningful about it. It just happens to be the last song, mm-hmm. but that's still pretty fucking meaningful, right? It's yeah. still pretty intense, and it's cool. It's cool how the first three tracks just get lower and lower and lower. So I think I think going into the new metal like like mindset that you're in, you probably like that. Because it's so low, it's so guttural. There's so much noodling in the beginning here, and this mm. one's so fucking chuggy, dude. It's some yes. sick like do metal shit. Cornell's got good scream on him, aggressive, but still like got a great voice. 
I really I have nothing it. negative to say. I don't know why I rate this so low. I don't know why either. Honest. It's silly boy talk. <laughs> Seriously, the, the, this song. I have no negative notes about it. <laughs> this song starts out very Black Sabbath sounding. Heavy, like heavy, heavy Black Sabbath. The bass line is obviously down tuned. It's kind of quirky too, kind of like how Geezer has that, that, that quirky way of playing and just unconventional way of playing. Um, so it has that heaviness. It also has has a kind of a swing to it, but then it the rhythm section just drives the song. Like you're just kind of like trudging along and just kind of moving. Like you feel like you're constantly moving. There's no stopping. Um, the guitars come in with the high weird riff thing. It reminds me of Corn a bit, which you know, like I already said, a lot of this record reminds me of Corn. Um, and Cornell's vocals are insane. His screaming is fantastic. The chorus is a little bit cheesy, but he belts that shit out. He's he's incredible. And fucking incredible, man. That word again. There it is he's, again. He's so goddamn good on this record. And then the way just everything rolls back into the verse is fucking fantastic. The solo, like you brought up, or we talked about briefly before, it's really weird. It's wonky. It's not even really a solo. It's like we were saying, it's fucking noise. It's not really anything, and then out of nowhere, it just stops. Like yeah. it, 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 it's really, it's jarring. It's weird. It doesn't make sense. He just completely stops, and then he'll just like throw in random noises. They're on time, but they're just not. They're weirdly placed. Just everything about this song is really bizarre, but I fucking love it. Honestly, I, I'm I'm reading my notes, and I have nothing negative about this in, in like any capacity. <laughs> But I don't know. What do, what but, do you want me to do? I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know why it's so low. I think so. Like when I usually do my notes, I do like the one listen through. I kind of write a little bit of notes, just tiny, tiny bit, and then yeah. my like essentially my last listen through is when I finalize the notes. And I think what happens is like the later I get, I say, okay, I like, I like fucking, I like searching with my good eye closed. Do I mm. like that more? Than Jesus Christ pose, no. So Jesus Christ pose three. Do I like it more than Slaves and Bulldozers? Yeah. So that's that's where it comes down to, I guess. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I don't know. It's a really good song though. It's just fucking fantastic. Oh, I love it. I I do like like Kim solo. Like yeah, like we've talked about. It. It's not a solo. It's just noise. It's it's so non traditional, right? This is an era coming out of the eighties where every fucking solo that you heard from Poison. And, and Rat and Warren, we're all the fucking same. It's the same goddamn solo over <laughs> no, and over. Man. Who cares? Fuck off. Slash still did the same fucking solo as everybody else, but at least like the music was a little bit more aggressive, a little more fun to hide those basic solos. And Slash had kind of his own little tone to him. Yeah, but that's about so it. That's plain wasn't that's super about unique, it. though. Wasn't super unique, no. But... But yeah, this is coming in off an era of, of just like the same shit over and over and over. And like this guy's throwing a solo in there that's just fucking noise rock, dude. This is what like, dude, this is what nope. Sonic Youth like tried to do. A noise this. Sonic Youth suck. <laughs> <laughs> they this fucking is what Sonic suck. Youth tried to do. This is, again, this is musicians doing art rather than artists doing music. And Sonic okay. Youth is like artists doing music, which is so bad. But like yeah. musicians doing art is this. We get this. We get a solo like this. It is great. So we we won't play it since it's not a B for you for whatever dumb reason. I can change it to my nine B. Uh, I'll ch- I, there, no, just change it. Okay, you just change it, but that's fine. But we don't we don't have to play it. 
So what do you have lyrically on this one? I think this one's about the industry, the music industry, specifically like the labels and how he feels that uh, Cornell feels taken advantage of. And I think mm-hmm. the chorus really buys into that concept, the whole what's in it for me. That's like that for me, that got, that for me, got it. That line <laughs> was was really fun for me because it was like, what's in it for me? And and, and at first, like, what do you mean what's in it for you? You got a record label. You're a big band. And it's like, well, well, no, dude. No, dude. Well, the record label's making all the money. So what's in it for the artist? And God damn, if I'm going to be, if I'm going to sit back here and realize that, that Soundgarden was realizing that, that uh, the record labels are shitting all over bands and taking advantage of them in 1991, um, before a lot of other bands kind of uh, caught wind of that, before the public, for sure, at least 10 years, caught mm-hmm. wind of the fact that record labels are shitting all over artists. And that's kind of cool. It is. I guess. I mean, I kind of get the same thing. You know, it's how it's it's about how he's given and sacrificed so much to the music industry and how it's just kind of broken him down. And then knowing also that this is the last song he played before he died, before he committed suicide, it kind of it's kind of eerie. The lyrics to this and then his suicide. I obviously it was all coincidental. Right. Or it, I'm but sure it, does. it was all coincidental. It for but sure it's still does. Eerie. It for sure does add to the to the mystique. And yeah. the name, like slaves and bulldozers, right? Like yeah. like like bourgeoisie and the proletariat. I have and have nots. Like slaves and bulldozers, man. That's so opposite. The slaves, who are the slaves in this? Like the artists are the slaves. The bulldozers are the record labels. They just mm-hmm. go over who the fuck they want. That's powerful. And again, I mean, just by happenstance, I guess hopefully, that the fact that this is the last song Soundgarden played, dude, this is, fuck, that's, that's some serious shit, man. It that's is, some serious. Man. That's some heavy, heavy stuff. Yeah, definitely. All right, uh, so we we good with this song then? Yeah. All right. So I I only have one B left. You have how many more? Two, maybe three. What do you got? Oh, I have the la- the last song is a B for me. New damage. New damage. That's my seven yeah. B. Okay. Cool. Do you want Do you want to wrap it up with this song, the closer, or do you yeah. want to talk about something let's, else? Let's, Let's Before. do it. I, I do want to mention. Yeah. I do want to mention, I guess really quick. Um, I had, There's a couple of Zeppelin things here. Mind Riot. Did we talk about Mind Riot? We haven't talked about it. We mentioned the, the title, but not the song. Okay. So Mind Riot, that, that, dude, that's a Zeppelin sounding tone, right? I don't know what yeah, song it was. a little bit. That's a very, maybe like Braun Year Soup or something I was thinking. Mm-hmm. But that was one that all the strings were tuned to E. Yeah. That, that you alluded so to weird. earlier. Um. But like this is a very very Zeppelin sounding tone, and the last song, uh, "New Damage." This is I, I thought this was very like War Pigs. This one opens up right away. That riff is super heavy, mm-hmm. very Sabbath sounding. It reminds me of War Pigs, especially the do 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 do. That part of War Pigs and the, when the bass is going down. Yeah, yeah. Like that's what it reminds me of. And Kim just flying in with that fucking whaley guitar sound. <laughs> I know it's. It's fucking, what are you doing, dude? Yeah, it's it's fantastic, and and Chris and Cornell comes in screaming too, like screams. They're both they're both coming in and like kind of at the same time, and just oh my god, dude, it's it's a great fucking closer, and and the rhythm section in general is just kind of slowly trudging along. It's it's uh it's something else. This is a great closer, and I mean a lot of bands have shit closer for closers for records, but this is this is perfect for them it really is 
because it kind of because then it, the song kind of builds into this kind of noise wankiness thing that the entire record has been kind of has been done on the entire record but they just do it so goddamn well in this song this is a little bit of everything smashed into one outside of like the more rock and roll driven songs you get i mean we talked about like the the, the thesis statement right like like rusty cage is a fucking phenomenal thesis statement yeah. like you're getting a lot of what is going to happen in this album in that song mm-hmm. but nothing ever really matches that type of like s-tier songwriting but we don't we don't ever say like like the summary right like the summary song which is the last the closer new damage as a summary song does this kind of like sum up everything that has happened does this do that does this leave you on 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 a good high you think like oh wow that was a fucking good song and it does it does it does for the most part outside of like i said outside of the more rock and roll driven stuff this is really this is a great summary of the entire record. This is a perfectly balanced. It's a perfectly balanced record. It has it has a it's bit like of everything essay. from Ultra. Like yeah, per, this, this is a like a like like an A or A minus essay that you would have written in college. This album. Okay, that's fair. That's what it is? It's fair. Oh man, it's solid, solid, solid stuff. Um, lyrically, I don't know what the fuck this song's about. I have no idea. I I, I only <laughs> I I gravitated towards one thing, and that was New World Order, baby. Okay. And I was like, oh, maybe like Cornell. And then and then I just I happened to Google Chris Cornell conspiracy and then there's a lot of things about that. Most of which were completely fucking dumb. Mm-hmm. Um but you never uh, know. yeah, New World Order, man. New World Order. That okay, that's what you think it's about? All right. That's I mean he says it. I don't know. No, it's true. True. Uh, it could be about anything, who knows? I don't think he's a good lyricist. Or we don't think he's a good lyricist. Um, I, I think anything else? I, I think what? he's a good lyricist. He's not great. I think he's like B tier. I think he's B tier. Okay. He's not. Right. He's not A, and he's not S. If we're doing like the Japanese RPG style <laughs> tier <laughs> list, you hate. I, I don't know. Why, I don't know why you've been referencing that so much recently because you hate those kind of games. It's because so. it's so stupid. I know. Because <laughs> the only reason why anybody does it is because of like Japanese. I think RPGs, but for sure like the Japanese yeah. tier system. That's why anybody ranks things into S tier. But like, why even put an S tier? Like, let's, I know, let's I, do I the whole alphabet it. then. I mean, really, we've we've covered uh, every song off the main record. I mean, obviously, we're not going to get into the demos, the outtakes, all that shit. I I don't care. It's too much. Yeah, I just don't care. Um, so one song that I, I do want to touch upon real quick is "Room a Th- Room a Thousand Years Wide" because one we already said, you know, that's a really cool title. Um, this is also one of the on- this actually this is the only song on the record that Chris Cornell had no. Uh, has nothing no songwriting credit. He had nothing to do with it. Um, the uh, the lyrics were written by Kim. The music was written by Matt, Matt Cameron, the drummer. Uh, and it, it does sound like a very different sounding song. I mean, it, it yeah. guitar wise, it sounds. It reminds me a lot of Jerry Cantrell, very Allison Chains like. The combination of the chugging guitar, the high pitched guitar, that reminds me a lot of Corn uh, on the first two Corn records, um, and just just overall. It kind of has this melodic doom metal sound. It, it's very weird. And then you throw in the horn section it, with the saxophone and the trumpet toward the end. It's it makes no fucking sense. It's bizarre. It's loud, and it it kind of sounds a little jazz inspired too. This is my least favorite song on the album. Really? Yeah. Then because why? Because it's so I didn't. Weird? Because it's 
it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit like sequencing wise. It doesn't do any of the sounds that all the other songs do. Even though I don't, I, I do think I do think like face pollution is cheesy. It is it it is it is going for a certain tone. It is going for a certain concept, and it achieves that. It is doing what it sets out to do. Yeah. Room a thousand years wide is just taking too many things and trying to do them all at once. And I don't think it does any of them well. Okay. It does a lot of them like okay and good, but it doesn't like perfect any of those sounds. And this is my least favorite song on the album. It just so happens to be also that Cornell like didn't have a, a hand in writing the song, which is super interesting. Um, because like now we are seeing like clearly if if what we're given online is true, we are seeing that like Cornell is so integral to this band that they don't yeah. fucking know it. I would have I would have never thought that until the, until I Me was reading neither. about it. Yeah. Me fucking neither. But then Unreal also like stuffs. throwing it back to the first record, Ultra Omega. Okay, you know one thing that that sets that record apart is one the producer like we talked about on the rankings episode. You know it's it's they were they were on the SST record label, hardcore punk label. They were given a producer that didn't know the Seattle sound, so that's one reason why that record sounds different. But also. Uh, Yamamoto was 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 the bass player in the band, and he was he contributed a lot to the songwriting. And Cornell didn't do that much of the songwriting on that first record, and I feel like that's why that's another reason why that record sounds so different from everything after it because of that as well. Because Cornell did not write a lot of that record, like he did, yeah. you know, the preceding records, or not preceding, but the following records. That's like their their first Audio Slave record, and this is like later Audio Slave records. Except the first Audio Slave record's good, the other ones aren't. Dude, it's not that good. It's good. It's it's really not. I'm not even gonna go into how wrong you are on that, <laughs> but it's just it's not that good. All right. Um. So yeah, we we've gone through every song. We even touched upon Mind Right. That was the only one that we haven't dove into, but I think yeah. I'm fine with that. I'm good. I'm good with that. I don't think I have any other notes here. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Oh, we didn't do our six degrees, bro. I did one. Oh, our six degrees with Tom DeLonge? I did one too, but then I forgot. Oh, my God. And mine was super dumb, though. I so thought mine was kind of cool. So what, what do you got? What do you got for your six degrees of Tom it was, DeLonge? Uh, Kim, Kim was on ProBot. Oh, yeah, he was. With, with yeah. Dave Grohl. And then because of this whole Taylor Hawkins uh, concert thing, right, Dave Grohl and Travis played together. And mm-hmm. there you go. Travis is something. Okay, mine was the uh, the music video for Outshined off of this record was directed by Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Ferris. They also co-directed the video for Freak on a Leash from Korn. <laughs> and Fieldy has, or Feldy has, Fieldy, Feldy has a, a songwriting credit on one of Korn's records, on one of their songs off the nothing. Uh, Feldy to, uh, to Blink, <laughs> Blink to Tom. There you go. I just want to say that if Jonathan Davis had like a, a, a what do you call it when like when like fucking J.K. Rowling writes something as a different artist or a different author? Oh, a ghostwriter. Yeah, a ghostwriter. Jonathan Dayton, Valerie Ferris. That sounds like Jonathan <laughs> it Davis. Does. Just like extended. <laughs> right. <laughs> Jonathan Dayton, Valerie Ferris. Yeah, it kind of does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. That's good. That's funny. That's fucking weird. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's give our final thoughts on on Bad Motor Finger. I, actually, the artwork. Did you like the artwork on this? I I do. I do like the artwork. I don't think it's great. I think it's fine. 
but I, I think like it's it. like I think it's I think it's one of those things that is like fine, but it's a little bit better than fine. I think it's kind of cute. Like it has like the the saw thing, and then in the triangle it says "bad motor finger." That's cool. Nothing yeah. extravagant. It's fine. Yeah, I, I I don't care for it. It it was uh, drawn by somebody named Mark Dancy. He was in a band called Big Chief. He created the design, and um, yeah, I just I don't I don't care. Even the, the title of the track, it was something that Kim came up with. Uh, because th- there's a song called by a band by a band called Montrose that called Bad Motor Scooter, and he was just thinking about it, and he said, "Why don't we just name it Bad Motor Finger?" And that was the that's how the title came about. So I thought that was boring, but yeah, I, I don't care for I don't like the color scheme on the artwork, the cover art. It's just weird, the purple and gold and red. It just none of it. It's very clashy. None of it really looks good. I do like the Soundgarden like font, the way that I like that font a lot, but. Otherwise, yeah, I don't like this this cover at all. So, like, uh, two things. One, uh, you know what Montrose is famous for, right? Mm, what? Fucking, that's Sammy Hagar, dude. That's Sammy Hagar. Is it really? First, yeah, that's Sammy oh, Hagar's shit. first band. Fucking, uh, <laughs> what was that, like, early, early 70s. Oh, yeah, you're right. I see his ugly face here. And then two, uh, Louder Than Love. That's a fucking killer album art. I like that one a lot. Where it just has like the, the on the left hand side the yellow font Soundgarden. Oh right? yeah, yeah. No, I do like that one a lot too. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. fucking sick. That one's very that one, Turnstile esque. Yeah. It is. It's very um. It's very punk. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a very punk looking looking art piece of art. Not piece of art, but just artwork. Piece of art. Piece of art. But every everything else, I'm looking real quick at all their art, uh, their album art, and it all sucks. Yeah, I mean, well, louder than well, love is the only cool one, honestly. A lot of love is is like it, that's a great album artwork. Bad yeah. Motorfinger is not bad. It's just, eh. it's just everything silly. else I think it's does dumb. suck. Yeah, the super unknown one's dumb. Yeah, Bad Motorfinger. Looking at it right now too, it kind of reminds me of something that you'd see from like Magma, like in the early seventies, like a very early seventies like psychedelic rock. That's kind of what that reminds me of. I, I don't like it. I, okay, I don't like it. King Animal, look at that fucking piece of shit. That looks stupid. I know that one. Well, well I think like the the, the, the the TP thing or whatever the fucking thing is in the middle. Yeah, I think that's kind of cool. But like yeah. overall, it's just like you're trying way too hard, man. You're trying way too hard with that yeah. one. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it, man. Okay. Um. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So let's give our final thoughts, and then we're gonna rate this record uh, based off of our world famous three point rating system, where three is a perfect album. Two is a good album you're going to continue to listen to. One is a bad album, give it a shot, and zero is uh, the worst thing you've ever heard. So what do you got? Go. This is uh this has been uh, this has been a wild week. I I have I have now I am now in a position to firmly debate why I hate grunge, but I am also in a in a unique position to defend why I think grunge is better than people like me hate on it for. And and I know exactly why I hate grunge, and that is Pearl Jam, that is that noise, <laughs> and then I also think that grunge is better than than people like me had normally given it credit for because of the heavy metal influence, because of the Zeppelin influence, because of the Sabbath influence, bands like Soundgarden, Nirvana is that middle ground. Nirvana is that middle ground that like, even if you hate grunge, you like Nirvana. You love yeah. grunge, you like Nirvana, and I don't want to like diminish Nirvana's influence or or whatever, but. Like they're a throwaway band. Like you know, you like them. Who cares? 
You know, because they are. They're a throwaway yeah. band. Like, like who doesn't fucking like Nevermind? Get the fuck out of here. True, yeah. Every, it's, it's like pizza. Everybody fucking loves it. Who cares? <laughs> get it out of here. <laughs> Let's get into the nuance of grunge. Soundgarden is the nuance of grunge. I, I never in a million years would have thought that we've done a Soundgarden album, listened to a fuck ton of grunge albums, and I would have come away thinking like, holy shit, dude, grunge is not terrible. There's actually some really, really good shit here. It's mostly bad shit. Yeah, mostly but Soundgarden <laughs> Soundgarden is a band that that was kind of there like beforehand. They're they were a band in like the, the mid eighties, even like eighty four. They mm-hmm. were a band in the mid eighties that that developed the sound rather than joined the sound. Allison Change, I think, joined the sound. Pearl Jam for sure fucking joined oh, the yeah, sound. Totally. STP joined the sound. Stone, or uh, uh, Soundgarden developed the sound, and I think that's where the big disparity comes in. We are getting a lot of Sabbath, which is coming off the Sabbath episode. It's fantastic. It's mm-hmm. still in my mind. It's still fresh, and it's like, wow, man, these guys can really, really rock, but they're still not that great at their instruments, which is a very punk thing to do, right? This is, yeah. I don't know. I really, I really enjoyed my week. I really enjoyed uh, even even hating most of the grunge stuff. I really enjoyed it. It's not a perfect album. Bad Motor Fingers not a perfect album. I don't think they have a perfect album, but this is damn close. This is like two point eight. I think Bad Motor Fingers two point eight, baby. Damn two point eight. Damn. Bite his shit. All right. Um, so yeah, much like you, I came into this almost blind, um, only listening to Corn to the yeah, just like Corn. Uh, only listening to two of the records ever. Um, one of them I hated and still hate to this day. Um, but man, this has been an eye-opening week. Uh, listening to all this goddamn fucking grunge music. Most of it, like you said, was just fucking bad. And and really, Nirvana and Soundgarden are the greatest. The greatest grunge bands. And it's unfair to call either of them grunge because Nirvana is like this pop, like a pop punk like this weird pop punk thing, you know, they have the melody, they have the catchy songs. Yeah. Kurt's not a great singer, but he has the melodies. He has the songs, those short and sweet songs. That's what he's amazing at. And then you throw Dave Grohl and Chris Novoselic in it. It's fucking unreal. Soundgarden is the metal version of that. You know, they're, they're more Sabbath sludge metal Zeppelin esque, you know, they're, they're, I wouldn't say they're more advanced than Nirvana because they're not by any means, um, but just that they're just like the opposite ends of grunge and they did it both so well. And every other band has tried to copy both of them and no band has succeeded in sounding like either band, like Alice in Chains and Pearl Jam one tried so hard to sound like Soundgarden and it never, ever happened. Never. Nobody really tried to be like Nirvana cause they were more pop than anything else. But there was, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know, man, just Nirvana and Soundgarden are on another level when it comes to grunge music, Nirvana being one of the greatest bands of all time, hands down. Yeah, that's um, true. I they don't they truly are. <laughs> they truly fucking are. Um, but yeah, no, the, the Soundgarden was was remarkable, and and once again, Chris Cornell, his voice is incredible. I I, I was truly, truly, just blown away by it. I, I've always known he's a good singer, but it wasn't until this week where I realized the guy can do fucking anything <laughs> and do it perfect absolutely perfect so um and kim thale yeah. i i kind of understand why people like him so much 
and why he inspired so many people and his how carefree and careless he was with his his style and, and his playing. I, I I I love it so much. Rhythm section could be a little bit better, but whatever. It gets the job done. I love the down tune guitars and everything. So with that, um, I'm gonna have to give this record, Bad Motor Finger, a two point five out of three. Oh, two point five out of three. Would you give I, Ultra Mega okay? Perfect three? No, I'd give it a two seven five. Two point seven five. Okay. Yeah, okay. It, it's not perfect, but it's it's a damn fine record. I would. Two point five is still a, a buyable vinyl. Oh yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I would get. I would get. I'm definitely want to get Bad Motor Finger and then the second and first record. Yeah, the the first three records I'm for sure gonna get, but I'm not gonna Good spend stuffs. forty bucks. I mean, Whoa. they they have bad motor. I mean, White Rabbit always has bad motor finger for like thirty bucks. Oh, yeah. So I might pick that up, but I'll see if Tracy will give me a discount. Try to knock a couple bucks off. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Twenty nine dollars. <laughs> yeah, twenty nine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking stupid California! I love it. No, I hate it, but. Do we have anything else on this episode? Uh, that's it. That's all. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars, five stars only. And you know what else to do. Keep listening. Tell all your friends. Thank you to everybody who, who listens and has reached out to us recently, especially. Much appreciated. And that's it. That's all. Yeah, but it's, it could be it could be really bad or it could be really good. That's why I'm excited. Like, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I th- well they did release the one song right, and that was pretty good. Yeah, it was good. I don't remember how it went, but it went like like that. It was good. Did it go like that? I don't remember. See, this was just like the most generic of all the grunt stuff I listened to. It just, the, Wyland has a, a distinctive way of singing, which is like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm Scott Wiley. This is how I sing. And I'm a fucking cool guy. I was a cool guy. <laughs> but it's just, <laughs> it's, it's just, <laughs> it's just dumb. It just, it seems forced and silly. And, and I don't know. The music was just way too generic here. But I don't yeah. give a fuck. Uh, my 19 is Sonic Youth Confusion is Sex This record sucks <laughs> yeah. This fucking sucks I, fucking knew. Man. I knew you were going to hate it too When it fucking oh, started playing I hated it And then I was like Okay maybe this is just the debut Like the first record Maybe they, they kind of get into their own On the second record So I actually listened to the second record as well Like was it Bad Moon Rising Or something like that Because I, that cover is so popular And so famous So I'm like okay, this, this is a popular record of theirs Let's get into this It's just as bad it's just as bad as the first record. It's just like, it's like the precursor to Fugazi, but done so horribly. Like, it's just boring and fucking bad. Sonic Youth, those first two Sonic Youth records, maybe they get better as time goes on, but yeah, the first two Sonic Youth records are fucking bad. I did not like them whatsoever. You fucking love them, you fuck, you cuck. I, he has a cool voice when he yells. And if you think mm-hmm. of like that part in Man in the Box when he says Jesus, like Jesus Christ, like that oh, part. I hate that so much. Dude, that part, he sounds fucking rad. But everything uh, else, dude's fucking weak and forgetful. Absolutely. Forgetful? That, forgetful. He's forgetful because yeah. he he's forgets forgetful. to be, he forgets to not be weak. That's why I said he's forgetful. Oh, okay.
duh, got him. But dude, like <laughs> Jerry Cantrell is fucking fantastic. Solid rhythm, rhythms, great riffs. Rhythm, Overall, has yeah. ha, rhythms. Riz, you're, you're on something else. Tonight, I'm on man. something you else tonight, man. Can't, pod talking is can't hard. pod talking is hard. Sure. <laughs> Solid rhythm because this week has just been so fucking dumb, dude. It's been so stupid. Oh, fucking grunge music is so stupid. Fuck that. Yeah. Again, solid rhythms. Like I said, yes. great riffs. Your yeah. banger then from Super Yeah, Black Hole Song for sure. Super. No, man, I don't. I listened to this one twice too because I, I really after, after listening to it and I ranked it so low. Yeah. And I was looking at it. I was like, holy fuck, people think this is like. Kind of their best. Hold on a second. <laughs> oh, hold on there, dude. So I listened to it again in a different format. So I listened to this one to earphones on, dude. And that's that's called doing your research, brother. That's what I did. <laughs> and I still just don't. Uh, I don't. I don't like this one at all, to be honest. So Revelations, third album by Audio Slave, the rock mm-hmm. super gloop. 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 gloop, gloop, gloop <laughs> like a fish. Gloop. Gloop. <laughs> Come on, dude. Like, really? This what? is your fucking 3B? Yes. Like, you're okay. this basic? You're this fucking superficial basic? That, How is this basic? Like, any, because Why? any fucking punk song that they throw on here, that's I... it. That's it. The only reason, the only reason mm-hmm. why this is my 8B. <laughs> oh, it's a B for you still? What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> oh, you're the worst. <laughs> the only reason why this is even a B, because I almost put it as a not B, because I was like, oh, guys, come on. Ugh. I get it. The only reason is this bridge part, dude. The bridge part's so fucking proggy. There's really, yeah. really tight noodles. Unreal stuffs. <laughs> I guess not, dude. What does that? My five be somewhere. Somewhere like the Sugar Ray song? Yeah. Well, cover that song? Yeah. Yeah, so this is not a is banger for me either. I don't know. I don't what, care. What is that Sugar Ray song? How does it go? Sing it to me because now I'm laughing because it's, it's not um, somewhere. <laughs> Wait, no. Ah, oh, no, I know how it goes, but I can't sing it. Somewhere. <laughs> I can't even, I don't even know. I don't know. Dude, I, I want you, it's because it's not somewhere, <laughs> but I want, I'll, I'll come back to it, I guess, because now, no, I, I, at first I said somewhere, but. it The song is not called somewhere, it's called someday. It's, it's called someday. It's come someday, on. yeah. You're right. Okay. Somewhere. <laughs> Because I at thought it was also I, called somewhere it. too. After you said it, I was like, oh, then I sing it in my mind where I was where I sing stuff. I was like, wait, that's not somewhere. <laughs> someday, was, yeah, yeah, that was good. Yeah. Somewhere, <laughs> I will forever sing it somewhere now. 